Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast, and I'm Christine Backus, and today we're going to be talking about natural rhythms and cycles. Uh, we're going to kind of put that in the context of astrology as well as Ayurveda and seasonal living and how, of course, to reclaim our natural wisdom and get closer to feeling ourselves as part of nature. Um, so let me just, let me start with just a couple of um, thoughts. Uh, I'm going to build a little bit on the previous episode, although you certainly don't have to have listened to that uh, for this one to make sense. And then we'll, of course, always be following bits and pieces of this theme of these big picture cycles uh, and the cycles that we live in all the time. Um, and the next couple of podcasts next week, I'll be talking more on a physical level and a health related level, like how we align our bodies with these cycles. And then uh, the week following March 12th, that's a Saturday, uh, Emily Trinkus will be joining me again for one of our cosmic wisdom conversations. And we'll be talking about the incredible expansion, uh, expansive energy that's coming along right now with uh, the change to Pisces season and the conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune. And of course, we'll talk more about what does that all mean and why do we care? Um, and so those are my quick announcements. Uh, just a couple of my usual advertising. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being here uh, either live or uh, listening to the recording. And I appreciate your support just from the perspective of being a listener. And then if you feel moved to financially support the show, you can hop on over to Patreon and find me there and support the podcast through Patreon. You can also support it through Anchor FM. Uh, and you can share it with your friends. And as I mentioned last time, I have a goal to grow the podcast listeners and supporters to, uh, uh, let's just say four digits this year. Okay, so let's just get started. Uh, so last, during the last session, I talked about, um, hang on just one sec. During the last session, I talked about some of the big cycles that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, and we'll kind of go from big to small again. One that we keep hearing about and we've been hearing about for the long, longest time now is the transition from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. And that there's certainly bigger cycles, but in terms of what we talk about and track and what I'm familiar with, that's a 26,000 year cycle. And it's based on essentially on the wobble of the earth on its axis and the shift um, of the constellations around us. And so we're, and that's why it moves backwards through the Zodiac. So we're going from Pisces to Aquarius. And, you know, we've been hearing about it in popular song for a long time. Um, and I'm not going to try to go into all the meanings, except to just say that it's potentially a golden age. It's not necessarily a golden age as everything Aquarius has both conscious and unconscious expressions. 
it is oriented to society and community and new vision and even to some degree technology. But I think from my perspective, the question is, are we talking about staying connected to our humanness and to nature, or are we going to continue this path of disconnection that we're on, at least in our culture? And of course, that's the purpose of this podcast is to help us remember connection and remember ourselves as nature. Um, And just another piece of that is that each of these ages lasts a little over 2000 years, 2100 years ish. And so if you think about the last 2000 years in our history, you can see that we've had a very, um, it's, it's fairly uh, discreet, I guess I want to say discreet in terms of you can define these last couple of thousand years, uh, perhaps you'd call it the Christian era, um, but there have been other cultural changes that, that are, I think can be pointed to. Um, some people talk about the rise of patriarchy, uh, again, uh, the religious, the, the way that organized religions have become more central and now perhaps you could say that they're fading out. So again, that's one of the big picture cycles that we're in the middle of. Um, And then the other cycle that I mentioned briefly last time is the Saturn and Jupiter conjunctions. The two, they're both visible planets. So they're both um, within uh, the range of what we can see. And they're both considered classical planets because uh, they're planets that have been worked with astronomically and astrologically for, for thousands of years, right? Because they're visible. Um, but they're the two furthest most planets. Jupiter has a cycle of about 12 years. Saturn has a cycle of about 29 years. They come together approximately every 20 years. But they're called the timekeepers of the universe because they come together in these very regular rhythms and in a very regular fashion, again, they move through the zodiac and they, they actually move through the elements. So they don't move uh, through the zodiac signs so much as they move through the elements. And so in other words, the zodiac signs are split into four elements and these conjunctions will happen at 200 year intervals within one element. So you'll have 200 years as we just did of these conjunctions in earth signs. And then now we're entering a period of 200 years with these conjunctions in air signs. And then over the course of 800 years, they'll complete all those elements. And then through the course of 2,400 years, they'll go through the whole zodiac, the whole set of elements like that. So again, they're considered timekeepers and they help us delineate what cycle are we in? And we're beginning this new cycle of these conjunctions in air element. And I think I mentioned this last time as well. It means we're going from the earth material realm, uh, new beginnings, new creations in a more um, material sense into new beginnings, new creations in a more social sense or a more intellectual sense. Air element is, um, it's where, communication takes place. It's uh, where uh, we connect with each other. It's that social kind of, um, all the social meanings. And for instance, the actual first conjunction in the air element was in 1980. 
uh, and I think it was in Libra. And that's the advent of the internet, right? So that's one of the one of the um, seed plantings that we can look at for this cycle. Um, and then I guess I, I do want to say too, just as an aside, to think about all of these cycles as seed plantings rather than um, like points in time. Yes, we had a Saturn and Jupiter conjunction on the solstice of 2020. Uh, and there may have been events at that very moment. Um, but really, these are unfolding cycles, just as all cycles in our lives are. It's very hard, for instance, to point to your life at the time, the moment you became an adult, right? Or the moment you became even a teenager, you would be able to kind of see that as a flowing cycle and a phase of life, but it doesn't happen all at once. And neither do these kinds of cycles that we're talking about in these um, big startings, endings, and beginnings that we're talking about. Um, okay, so a couple of others that I just want to mention. Uh, we can look at each planet individually, and that's one of the things we're going to do today. We're going to look at Pluto and Venus both, um, because the United States is in what it's, it's called its Pluto return. We're going to talk about what that means. So we can look at uh, a planetary cycle and the sun, let's take the sun as the easiest example um, that because we track it um, based on how long it takes for it to go around. Well, obviously the earth is going around the sun, right? But I'm going to speak to you in terms of what we see and what we see is the sun going around the earth, um, moving through the various uh, constellations or zodiac signs of the various points in the sky with respect to the earth through the course of a year. So that's one of the major cycles. And that's one we'll be talking about more next week. That's one of the major cycles that uh, delineates our lives and particularly our physical life on the earth, right? Because it delineates the seasons. Um, but each planet has that its own time period um, during which it goes around the entire zodiac and from our perspective returns to a particular place in the sky. And if you look at your natal chart, if you have your natal chart and look at the placements of the planets, each one of them, at least that has uh, a time period within our lifespan will return to the place it was in your chart on some kind of regular basis. And the sun, obviously we mark our birthdays when the sun comes back to the same point in the sky that it was on the day we were born. So if you're born on the 15th of January, like me, and the sun uh, was at just about 20, not quite 25 degrees of Capricorn, then every year the sun comes back to that place on not exactly, might not be the same day because the calendar doesn't always match up, but it's going to be at the same time of year, right? Um, and so that's one of the great timekeepers for us as well. And then again, each planet in your chart um, will, depending again on how how long the cycles are. Pluto is a 248-year cycle, so we're going to talk about it today in the context of the United States. Um, but you do get 
partial Pluto cycles through the course of your life. And then depending on where it is and the relationship it has with your personal planets, um, you might, uh, you might just kind of feel into what I say about Pluto and, and how it feels and what these, um, cycles are about. And then you might get a sense of whether you have, or have been in, um, Pluto cycles. And then of course you can always get a reading to find out more specifically about something like that. Um, okay. So cycles within cycles, uh, you can think about, I was trying to think of a graphic that helps to describe this. And the closest I could come was to imagine a loosely woven ball of yarn where you have these, um, these threads that come around and around and around, but they may be crisscrossing in different directions. Some of them are tighter, some of them are looser. And at every moment, we're living in these concentric cycles, these cycles that are overlapping. And we can tap into them to understand what's happening in our lives. And I think one of the reasons this is so important to me is that Understanding, understanding that we're within a, a number of different cycles at any one moment does a couple of things for us. One is it creates a real sense of connection to the natural world, including the planets, including the cosmos. Uh, by, by tapping into the seasons, for instance, and are we, right now we're coming out of winter and getting ready to go into spring in the Northern hemisphere. Um, tapping into the moon cycle, right? That's another super obvious one. What is the moon right now? The moon is this tiny crescent. Uh, and then just paying attention to that is one way are we align with nature and start to build our lives around natural rhythms, which by definition supports our health and our wellness when we're cooperating, right? That's another theme I've been talking about lately is cooperating with what's happening with reality. And this is one of the easiest ways to do it is understand how these cycles are operating in our lives. Um, but the other thing is that it, it, it kind of can give us a little bit of a sense of, it's not just a personal thing for me, right? I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of, um, something that that's infinite. I think that's useful to kind of get a real felt sense for is that I'm part of the infinite and the cycles inside me are mirroring those cycles outside me. So it can take us out of um, some of the difficulty of a, an experience. And I think that's super important right now as we're going through this Pluto return in the United States because it can feel kind of scary. There's a lot of things going on that can feel and look pretty scary right now. And if we understand that there's always a cycle of expansion and contraction, there's always a cycle of birth, life, death, right? There's always a, like the fours, the, the four seasonal cycles, you know, there's, there's these different um, energetic experiences of the phases of these cycles and we're always in a whole set of overlapping ones and it can take some of the personal out of it um okay so let's talk i want to talk about pluto and then i want to end by talking a little bit about venus and maybe even the new moon if i get to that um so pluto is the last 
planet in the solar system was the last planet in the solar system. Of course, we're starting to discover planets beyond that. Pluto's been demoted a couple of times from planet to not planet. Um, for my purposes, I'm just going to talk about it as a planet. Uh, astrologers definitely still work with it, regardless of what it's called and what it's determined to be astronomically. And after we've only, it's, it was only discovered in 1930. So we don't even have a hundred years of actual experience with it yet, but um, the experience we do have has gotten pretty delineated. I think um, there's more and more agreement because there's more and more experience as astrologers is what does a Pluto transit? What does Pluto feel like to people and how does it operate in our lives? And again, as I say, because we're in this period of um, a Pluto return, I'll explain that in a moment in the United States, we're all getting a firsthand look at how Pluto operates. So a return, a planet return is um, when the planet returns to the point in the sky, in the zodiac, where it was at um, a, a birth, a natal point. So again, you know, your solar return is your birthday, right? When the sun returns to the same place in the sky. A Pluto return is when Pluto returns to the same place in the zodiac that it was at birth. And again, because I don't know anybody that's lived to 250 years, what, what we, it's a Pluto return, we can talk about it in the context of nations. And if you, um, if you get my Patreon posts or my blog posts, you'll see that I just posted about this yesterday. What's interesting to me as I have been thinking about this Pluto return is that way back when, I don't remember, it was, must have been college, high school or college and a history class, I remember reading or hearing that nations come and go and go through significant changes at about a 250 year mark. And there's historical evidence for that. And um, I looked that up the other day, because of course now we have the internet, which we didn't when I was in college. And you can just go find these references very often. And um, they're was somebody who wrote about this in the late seventies and did a little chart. And sure enough, he can track, he tracked, he called them empires, the rise and fall of empires in 250 year increments. This doesn't mean that a country goes away at 250 years. If you think about France, a lot of the older countries, countries that are older than ours, certainly they've been in existence, but there've been significant transformations and um, changes at that particular time frame. The British Empire, Britain still is still there, although it's not um, in the same form at all that it was, right? There's still England and the surrounding countries, Scotland, Ireland, etc. But the British Empire that controlled so much of the world at one point is no longer in existence. And again, that lasted about 250 years. So here we are in the United States at the 250 year mark. And what are we seeing? We're seeing a lot of what, well, let me talk about some of the hallmarks of Pluto. So Pluto 
God of the underworld, God or goddess of the underworld. Uh, I did a whole class on Pluto and I'll put the link to that. It's, I, it's offered in the gift right now. If you're curious, you can pay whatever you want to listen. But Pluto is the god or goddess of the underworld. Um, it's, it's also the other name for Pluto in the Greek Roman pantheon is Hades. Uh, and of course, we associate Hades with all sorts of bad stuff, right? Um, but it's, so it's the guardian of the underworld, but the, the actual translation for the word Hades is riches. And Pluto has this action, if you will, of excavating what's down kind of buried under the surface and eliminating what's not essential. And in the context of a Pluto return, um, and again, I'm more familiar with Pluto and in, with individuals and certainly in myself, but it has this, this way of bringing up things that are hidden in order for us to deal with them. And typically Pluto things, things that are hidden down in Pluto's territory are scary um, and shadowy and things that we don't wanna look at. And if you think about what, again, what's going on in the US right now uh, and what's kind of coming to the surface, there's all the division and the polarity. Um, we're seeing a breakdown of um, the categories of how we fit ourselves, you know, what, what a Democrat was 10 years ago is probably very different than what a Democrat might be today. And people who identify with a particular party have probably switched around quite a bit today. Um, same thing with all the other labels and, and polarities, yet we're still, we're seeing how divided we are in terms of how we see the world in the country lately. Um, racism and sexism and classism and a lot of those uh, places where there's inequity are coming up to the surface in one way or another. And again, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm not making any uh, judgments about what you believe. I'm just simply saying that we can look around and see that these things are coming up and the greater purpose of a Pluto cycle like this is to look at these things, see them, let them come into the light so that we can make them conscious and, and make conscious decisions about them. And when I have a, let me say one more thing about Pluto and kind of its meaning. So it's this bringing things up. You can think about it as like intensifying that which is hidden and underneath in order for us to kind of reclaim it in a more conscious way. And the other word that I would associate with Pluto, um, and this is uh, it's a word that we don't have a good definition for, I think in our culture is power. So Pluto, when Pluto comes around, what we find is there's a real heightened sensitivity to power dynamics. And at least in my world and what I see and what, um, what I see in the papers and then what I've been working with, again, because I'm in a, I've been in a very personal Pluto transit because Pluto has been crossing over my son. Um, it, there's been a lot about power. And again, what is it? What, we, we're seeing the inequity in power 
right now, um, we're seeing the dynamics of power and we're starting, I hope, to really understand what is it and how to use it. And what I, my, um, my catchphrase about Pluto and power is that it, with a Pluto transit like this, when Pluto is active, when we can't get away from Pluto, it's about the death of control. And control is unconscious use of power, right? It's power over. It's power over somebody else. It's the pushing of my agenda um, and my desire to, or my, I hate to use the word desire, my urge to um, control somebody or something else. That is not how the world works. The world works through cooperation, at least in the conscious way, the world works through co cooperation. And so from my perspective, the, the purpose of Pluto and the way that we can work with Pluto um, transits and Pluto periods and, and in the US as well as in ourselves is by starting to really understand what power is and how to be conscious with it. And uh, to understand the difference between control and cooperation. So from my learning and my process, true power comes from true authentic desire. What comes, which comes from, it, you know, depending again on how you want to speak about this comes from the soul. <clears throat> it comes from a very basic level of us, a real, the place where we're connected to everything. And the other thing you could say is that true power comes from love and action rather than fear in action. And if you think about how control works, if you're trying to control another person or you're trying to control an outcome, it's typically out of fear rather than out of love. And so that to me has a lot to do with what we're going through in this country right now is understanding what power is and how to wield it consciously um, and and make it and from a out of a force of love rather than um, fear so tie it in with this pluto cycle and uh, we've ta I talked about this a couple of episodes ago is venus and Venus, um, so in terms of cycles, Venus has about, from our perspective on Earth, Venus has about a 19-month cycle, has a, uh, about a nine-month phase as a morning star, nine-month phase as an evening star, some period in um, retrograde, two periods in the underworld, i.e. invisible below the horizon, too close to the sun to see. And um, during that time, it makes two conjunctions, two passes with the sun. And so uh, Venus is one of those cycles. Again, if you listen to that earlier podcast episode, it's one of those cycles that people have been tracking for thousands of years. Pluto knew, right? Because it's, it's so far away, it hasn't, it's not visible, right? It's never been visible. People may have tracked that cycle, um, but they didn't connect it to the planet Pluto until just the last hundred years. But Venus, as the third brightest object in the sky, has been the subject of myths and stories and 
contemplation and timekeeping and sacred geometry, et cetera, for thousands of years. And the reason I'm bringing up Venus is because this particular Venus cycle carries a lot of Pluto energy. And we've talked, we've talked about that um, a couple of times in the podcast earlier, but just uh, kind of as a reminder, Venus conjoined Pluto twice has already conjoined Pluto twice. Um, I think it was early December and then right around Christmas and Pluto and Venus will conjoin hook up with Pluto again this week. I think it's, it might, I can't remember if it's at the new moon or the day after, but this week, Tuesday, Wednesday ish. And, um, and then, so, and also yeah, so Venus will carry that Pluto energy throughout the cycle, just as Venus sort of carries the energy of Capricorn, where Pluto and Venus are right now, and Mars, um, throughout this cycle, because Venus had her entire retrograde period in within the sign of Capricorn, had that initial conjunction with the sun on January 8th in Capricorn, and then had, um, came back out of the underworld in middle of January, again, in Capricorn. So Venus has been in Capricorn since the beginning, I think it's beginning of December, very long time. And so it's, it's really been kind of collecting, if you will, that Capricorn energy and will carry it through the cycle. And because of all these meetups with Pluto at the beginning of the cycle, again, we'll be carrying that energy through. So here's the goddess of beauty love, relationship, um, values, what we value, uh, connecting with the Lord of the underworld, the God of power and riches and what's buried and what's hidden. So the kinds of themes, and I know I've talked about this before, but the kinds of themes that we might be, well, let's just say I'd like to see us be working with is what do we value in term and how do we value power? How do we, how do we work with power again from a place of love and from a place of creating more beauty? Um, so that's, that's kind of the overall theme. And then Venus on uh, today, well, if you looked out the sky just before dawn this morning, you saw a crescent moon a little ways away from Venus. Venus was um, Venus and the moon were about 10 degrees apart, maybe a little bit more than that this morning. Tomorrow morning, very early in the morning, or if, if the crescent moon is still visible and it will be a very tiny sliver, it will be right next to Venus. And so this is the second gate of Venus's descent. And if you remember the story, Venus um, is a parallel with the goddess Inanna. Um, this is that ancient Sumerian myth. It's one of the first written myth, uh, myths and stories that we have. And uh, again, shows that we've been tracking as a human race, we've been tracking and working with and connecting to Venus in the sky for a long time. And these Venus moon conjunctions that happen every month correspond it to the points in the myth where Venus passes through one of the gates of the underworld. So she passed through the first gate of the underworld, um, well, essentially a month ago, just before the Aquarius new moon. 
And at that point in the myth, Venus removes her crown. And so it's that crown of authority. She removes the crown of authority. And from our perspective, working with that myth, we could say that's a time where we relinquish the idea of authority coming from outside us. And now what we have is Venus relinquishing, letting go of these lapis beads. And in some places there, yeah, but let's just call them earrings. So she's relinquishing these small lapis bead earrings. And this is the gate of perception. This is, has to do, uh, if we follow them in the process of the chakras, this would be like the third eye chakra, but this is the gate of of how she perceives, how she hears the world, how she sees the world, how we hear the world, how we see the world, how we, um, how we perceive it. And particularly in the sign of Capricorn, this is, the, this is one of only two gates in the sign of Capricorn. This has to do with the conditioning through which we see the world. This is a time to relinquish, release, let go of um, the ways in which we are told how to perceive the world. So in terms of this cycle, and again, in terms of learning how to connect with the cycle, this would be one of the ways of working with this Venus cycle is understanding it as a sort of, sort of a journey into our personal power. And then at each gate, releasing ways that we've taken on power from the outside world or define power in an old way. And throughout this descent, maybe we can release some of that so that we can uh, reclaim it in a more authentic way. And in this particular case, with this particular gate, it's about releasing that conditioning that tells us how to see the world. Um, and for example, for example, seeing the world as good or bad, seeing things that happen as good or bad, seeing planets as good or bad. We have, you know, in traditional astrology, planets are labeled malefic or benefic. In other words, having a, um, a negative effect or a positive effect. In, um, in less value-laden terms, you could say some planets have more of a contracting and limiting effect. And some planets have more of an expanding effect. And again, if you think about our conditioning, right, we always seem to think that more is better. Bigger is better. Freedom to expand is better than limitation and contraction. And if you go back to what I was saying at the beginning about understanding natural cycles and accepting like radically accepting how the world works and cooperating with it, we would understand that we are always in cycles of expansion and contraction. And all of these great myths, including the one of Inanna, are teaching us about these cycles of expansion and contraction. And just like the myth of Demeter and Persephone, where Persephone is supposedly abducted into the underworld. This is another Pluto story, um, as is the Inanna story. This is how seasons are created. These myths track the creation of the seasons. Summer is when everybody's above ground, the goddess is above ground, everything's growing and fertile and, and there's flowers and um, 
you know, hot weather and we get to go, you know, get big and do lots of stuff in these nice long days. And then there's a period of contraction that's winter where everything draws back in to itself. And rather than seeing, um, rather than seeing winter and Saturn and Mars, the malefic planets as negative and bad, what we can see is that these are periods of renewal, right? The light is a time to expand and go forth and create new. The dark is a time to come in, maybe gestate and re, um, rebuild our reserves, uh, rest, all the things that are not valued by our culture. And so that expansion contraction is inherent in all of these cycles. And so for instance, again, if we go back to this Pluto cycle for the United States, what rather than seeing this as um, like tearing us apart or uh, breaking down what we've thought we were, which of course is all happening, right? We've been watching breakdown of institutions, the breakdown of trust, the breakdown of the media, um, the breakdown and shift of information sources. But what is it an opportunity for? What are we, uh, what is this dark period giving us a chance to rebirth? Um, okay. So we've talked about Venus, we've talked about Pluto. Uh, just a couple things about where we are. Actually, I'm going to go ahead. Let me just, I'm going to show you the chart because um, for those of you watching the video, I'm going to show you the, the chart. Um, and then if you're not watching the video, I'm going to post the chart in the, the uh, recording notes and the podcast notes. But this is a chart, it's a, it's a bi-wheel. On the inside, we have the chart of the United States and this is called the Sibley chart. And it's, um, it's set for just after five in Philadelphia, um, signing of the Declaration of Independence. There are other charts for the United States. Um, this one's the one that seems to be most commonly used. And I'm not gonna try to, um, I'm not gonna try to go through the whole thing, but I am gonna try to uh, just point out a couple of things because it's, it's actually pretty useful at showing you a bunch of different cycles. So here um, on the inner circle, here's Pluto is the, the glyph, the symbol that has a cross on the bottom, that's the cross of matter, and then a bigger cup shape, um, a crescent, and then a little circle within that crescent on the top of the glyph, on the top of the symbol. And the way I, I would break that down and describe it is that you're talking about the circle of spirit cooking in the crucible, that's the, the, the um, crescent of matter. And so Pluto is that sort of like, it is really a, um, it is a transformational, if you think about alchemy, it's a transformational process where things get reduced to their essence. That's kind of that Pluto meaning. And that's what we've been talking about. So here's Pluto in the chart. It's down in the second house in Capricorn at 27 degrees. And then here's Pluto on the outer ring. This is where the planets are, are were last week. Um, 
on the 22nd, February 22nd, 222 of 22. That was the first time that Pluto came back exactly to its place, um, the place in the zodiac where it was at the birth of our nation. Uh, and so here's a cycle, right? Pluto has been all the way through the zodiac in this 250 years. There's a couple of other obvious things. So again, this is about a lot of overlapping cycles happening at the same time. Here we have Neptune, which has, I think it's about 165 year cycle through the zodiac orbit. And Neptune, if you can see, is it exactly the opposite place as it was at the nation's birth. So it's been around one and a half times. So 22 degrees, 22 degrees. And Neptune has another, it's another planet because it's another invisible outer planet. Um, it also has kind of this big transformational energy in a different way than Pluto. It has more of a dissolving effect. So you could say that we're in a period of, well, and it also has carries some meaning around spirituality and, and like connecting with the other side and, and starting to understand that we're part of a bigger ocean of consciousness, for instance. It's hard to talk about it because it's immediately get into spiritual ter territory, which of course we don't do well as Americans, um, as a culture at least, but that's Neptune. Neptune is that connection to the mystery, what's behind it all, what's invisible. And it has kind of a dissolving effect. So again, there's another transition, another cycle that we're in the midst of. We're completing a Pluto cycle and beginning a new one, but we're in the midst of this Neptune cycle. And then I'm just gonna point out one more. Um, and Neptune, for those that are listening, is the little trident shape um, and in this case, it's down at the bottom of the uh, chart in the house labeled three. It's in Pisces. And we'll be talking about it more in the coming weeks because it's, um, there's a lot going on with Neptune. And then the next planet I want to mention, this is actually an asteroid. Um, it's in between the visible and the invisible planets. This is Chiron. It looks like a little key. Again, kind of in the bottom of the chart uh, in the fourth house in the sign of Aries. And you can see that we are very close to another planetary return, or in this case, an asteroid return, because Chiron is coming into the same place it was, again, at the birth of the nation. But it has a 50-year cycle, so this would be about the fifth return from Chiron. Chiron is the healer, the wounded healer. So some very interesting things, some very interesting overlapping cycles going on for the United States that we all get to watch and live in real time. Um, Chiron has, carries this meaning of reconciliation. And you can see that there's, if you go look at the news headlines, um, it's fairly easy to kind of point out and and track some of these big planetary themes in the news. And the Chiron one, interestingly enough, is this talk of reconciliation. There's, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal just this morning about families 
beginning to reconcile some of the division that has happened over the last couple of years over how to manage the pandemic. Because of course, people have become, as with everything, there's been a lot of polarization and we're seeing some very different points of view on how human health works and what's the right way to address it. And are we gonna use a technological solution? Are we gonna use natural solutions? Is there a way to work together on these? Actually, that really hasn't been talked about much, unfortunately. Um, and then this Chiron return maybe is going to give us um, more and more of that reconciliation energy. Uh, okay, so that's what I wanted to say about the chart. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to give us a sense of, of being part of all these bigger cycles um, and, and help us feel connected to this intelligent, orderly universe. Um, intelligent in that, yes, it seems chaotic at times, but if we can, if we can kind of get uh, an idea of all these different cycles that are, I mean, look, we just looked at a, a piece of software using lots of mathematics that can pinpoint when these things come and go. And we can look back in history at these cycles. So there's order in the chaos. And there's always, even if we can't see it, there's always an intelligence working um, that we are part of and, and that we mirror and that we reflect. And so what I would hope is that this understanding of these kinds of cycles, the bigger to the smaller, you know, whether you're working with the sun cycle or the moons or understanding these Pluto cycles or, or whatever, that it can help you really feel connected. And again, your body knows, right? There's a part of us that knows we're going through these cycles. There's a part of us that feels what's happening and the more tuned in we become and the more that we, um, I don't want to say purify in because that tends, we tend to go overboard with purification in this country and in this time, but the more that we sort of clarify what we're feeling and what's us versus what's not us, um, then the more sensitive we can become. And I don't mean sensitive as in everything hurts us, but sensitive as in we are finely tuned instruments and we can continue to more finely tune these instruments. Um, whether you have psychic energies or, you know, you're clairvoyant or clairaudient, that everybody to some degree is clairsentient, meaning they feel things. And it's just a matter of tuning in more and more and more um, to what's going on. And then when we start to put words and language to it, then again, we can, we can communicate about it. We can understand it and, um, yeah, and hopefully feel connected to it. And again, cooperate rather than try to control. Okay, so I'm gonna stop the recording and I'll stay on for a few minutes if there are any questions. Thank you again for listening to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. So I'll put my website in there. Please reach out if you have questions or comments.